0: I would like to uh, not change the order of things, but I would like to begin with a reading out of Scripture uh, before a prayer. And I want to begin with Romans in chapter 3 and verse 10. And I'm going to read much more in the Old Testament as well, but I just, just to begin with, uh, with this chapter... In verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seek it after God. They are all gone out of the way, and they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what thinks soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop here with verse 24. And let's bow for a prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we are here this, this day and we just want to praise your name for we know you are an awesome God and you're, you're powerful in, in, in heaven, Lord, and we pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see your power on this earth because we have eyes sometimes that uh, are fearful and, and cannot see what you're doing. And we know you're you are you're building a kingdom. And we want to be able to see where we fit in and, and how we can be part of building this kingdom that, that you're doing. And as we look around us, Lord, we, we will be fearful uh, because we see so much uh, sin. We see, see so much evil and hypocrisy around us that we would shrink from it, Lord. And, and yet, we just know that you have... Provided all things for us, Lord, to, to overcome the evil that is in us. And perhaps we also are enabled, Lord, to speak to this world that is around us and have a, an impact on it, Lord. And so we we, we give you thanks for providing for us in, in many different ways, Lord. Even the health, Lord, that is provided for us so we can be here today, which is a privilege, Lord, that we can Rejoice with one another and worship thee, Lord. And, and together, uh, as iron would sharpen iron, together look into your word and, and talk about it, Lord. And we pray that your spirit will be present with us, Lord, through, through this entire day so that we would come forward, Lord, and, and be strengthened, Lord, in how we go about in this world in, in the days to come, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason why I I thought uh, like Matt uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, didn't pray in the beginning, and I thought this was really interesting because the word of God is really uh, the most important thing. If we wouldn't have the word of God, we wouldn't be here. We we would be like so many others who are not in church. They may be playing golf or whatever they're doing. And I think the Word of God is, is, is so awesome uh, that we, uh, we need to really uh, you know, lift it up in our hearts you know, as often as we can, uh, as we have uh, the Spirit leading us, because it, that's where we're going to uh, find the truth from. Uh, and I want to talk today about Originally, I was thinking about sin, and uh, that was that went back quite a while. Uh, uh, why I don't remember how, what inspired me to to look into sin, and so I I, ha- I have to keep notes, otherwise I forget from you know one week to the next. So I, I keep notes, and I have in order to to know where what I, what I have, I have to have a title on it, right? So my title was. Uh, you know, pardon the word, but morphology of sin, the morphology of sin. Uh, but then this would be not a very uplifting sermon, right? If we just look at sin and, and our sin and everybody else's sin. So it, it, I really um, want to change this and look at the remedy of it. Uh, not just look what sin is, but we, there cannot be much of a remedy or there cannot be much of. Uh, Repentance, unless we know what what our sin is and what sin is period, so uh, I'm want to look a little bit what sin is and in Romans here it, it it goes through and it spells it out uh, uh, what <laughs> it, it's a it's a pretty good description of uh, uh, what we see today and it, uh, it, it nothing changed I guess since Roman times uh, so we are, we are we're not any better or Maybe we're worse. I don't know, but it's a description. But I want to. I want to look even more into detail of of what sin is. In verse ten, it says uh, there is none righteous, no not one, uh, because any righteousness that that we can get is going to be given from God to us. But it's not just. It's not just given automatically, just because we go to church. It's not, we're not going to get that righteousness. We need to realize that we are sinners, that we need the blood of Christ to make us righteous. And in, once we realize that, once we get to that point, well, we, we know that uh, we have, most of us have experienced that that, that gives us the power to move on and to actually change have our lives changed in the process and so I think it's important that we look at sin not not just you know the really bad things, but we'll go later on into the old Testament and look at an example of somebody that really sinned really bad and how how that worked out and what the remedy was there but so often we we think well I haven't i haven't really uh, stolen anything uh, lately uh, i haven't uh, definitely not killed anybody uh, and, and on and on so, so really bad things or, or, or cheated uh you know taxes or what what have you uh, and, and so we, we think well i I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but really there is there is sin uh, i want I want to read a passage in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 10, 20. I'm not going to read the the entire verse. I know I'm going to take it a little bit out of context. I'll I'll explain it. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom. Now, we don't read that verse too often. Uh, Do not revile the king even in your thoughts. And the second verse, or curse the rich in your bedroom. To me, the king is not the king up there, the king God. That is, it's the king, uh, because the rich in the bedroom is obviously not up there either. So what, what the verse is talking about here is really don't even go there. Well, I have to confess to you, when I read the news, I, you know, I revile the king in my thoughts, Quite often, and I have to I have to repent from that because it it makes it clear. Don't even do that. Why? Because if if we keep doing this, uh, all of a sudden it may actually come out of us. And when you you read the the next part of that word in Ecclesiastes ten, it says because well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it because the, the bird is the birds are gonna tell. Everybody, that's where our, the saying comes from, uh, you know, the little birdie told me, you know, that's, I'm sure that's where it came from, uh, where it came from. And uh, so, but it, it really has a meaning, uh, a deep meaning, because if we allow this and we think it's not a sin, well, it, it, it really is. So we're really not finished until God takes us home and to work on ourselves, and I just want to kind of bring that about. Because when I I looked, you know, Zane, when I started to think about is well, you go to Webster, right? You look, get the dictionary, and Webster says, it's an offense against religious or moral law. Offense against religious or moral law. That that sounds okay, Uh, but most people have forgotten that there is actually a moral law giver. And unless these things get disconnected, you, you can lose it. And we see that today in our society, you know, well, God is taken out of the the constitution and everything, or the interpretation of it. And so, uh, ultimately, you can you can twist the things around. And they made a, uh, somebody uh, went interview people in, in in I think it was in Florida, uh, students, and they. they uh, said, well, what do you think about the Constitution? They said, oh, well, we should change the Constitution. It's an old thing. It's not valid anymore. We should change it. Well, so you, you take that out, and what, what do you have left? Is chaos, which we're halfway there. And, and, uh, and so I was looking a little further. Well, so the law, Moses' law, starting with the Ten Commandments, but then they added on, uh, significant other things w- which were important to them in, in Leviticus. That's where they were supposed to keep. Uh, and uh, now I looked at that, and then I went further back. There, there are various other laws that nations had, like the Hittites had had laws, and uh, the the Chaldeans had laws before the Moses law came. Uh, probably uh, before even Abraham was. It was called the Hammurabi Code, which, which I've forgotten now how many, 168 laws or something like that. And I read through them, and I found out, you know what, they, they have quite a few things in the Hammurabi Code is very similar to the Leviticus uh, laws that we read in Leviticus. And, and I thought, that's interesting. Uh, but then, as I looked much closer into it, there is no there is no reference to God. There is no reference to God. Their moral lawgiver was their own intellect, and as a result of it, a it didn't last. They don't have it anymore. It disappeared after a few hundred years. And on top of it, it was there were some areas in that law that were really not not very good. I think. Uh, so the, um, the moral lawgiver is is very important. Because without it, we don't understand what, what, what sin is and, or, or what, what the transgression against uh, a law, you know, which would be a sin. There's other ways of, of considering sin. Because the original sin, which we'll read later on in the Old Testament about, uh, is really the... the um, You want to go, maybe? Genesis 3. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat of it, neither shall he touch it, lest he die. And then it goes on, the servant said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall see. You shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when this woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, And the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now, it's interesting uh, that she was adding something that God didn't say. You know, is that sometimes uh, that we kind of go beyond? And I I think uh, uh, Brother Mike was kind of talking uh, about something very similar last Sunday, uh, to the foolish Galatians, they, they were adding things that uh, were not really there in the gospel. And that too can be, become a sin. Uh, and, and so, and it starts very small, right? She just added a little thing to it and then she moves on and she's, oh, I, I, this is a beautiful tree and it makes one wise. So she, she rationalizes through this and and comes to something that's what God said, you cannot do it. And so often that is really part of of our humanity too. And it doesn't matter if if I've been Christians for you know fifty two years. Uh, this this can happen, and, and and so it's it's important for us to to realize how easily this the the devil can can very subtly come and. and Make things look different from what they are, uh, and so that. I found it, I found a good story, and not want to read that. It's a true story, just just to see how some little thing, not not a big sin, but, but something, can turn out really really ugly. And I have I have a book with different stories and about sin as well, and it and the story goes like this. The 37-year-old New York man was a small-time crook, the kind who would mug little old ladies for the cash in their purses. But on Sunday, July 21, 1996, this crook messed with the wrong little old lady. According to the Chicago Tribune, the mugger bumped into a 94-year-old woman in Greenwich Village and snatched her wallet. The NYPD later picked him up, and as they drove him to the station, police lieutenant Robert McKenna told the suspect, you just robbed the mother of the biggest mob chieftain in New York. The 94-year-old woman was Yolanda Gigante and her son, Vincent Gigante, described by authorities as the head of the Genovese mob, the nation's most powerful mafia family. The police lieutenant later said, when the perp heard that, he just slumped down into the back seat of the radio car. He had sort of a stunned, resigned look on his face, sort of saying, how could I be so stupid? Just to to rehash the story, uh, you here, uh, no big deal, right? Somebody, he he didn't go after a, a, a Wall Street Guy with probably ten thousand in his pocket. No, the little old lady uh, was not even a pushover, uh, ninety-four years old. So you just take whatever coins she has, or, or maybe a bill, and, and so no, no big deal. Today, police wouldn't even worry about it. This, is, unless you take thousand dollars, they were not even going to, you know, pursue that. But but back then, in in what is in ninety-six, he probably would have had to go to jail for a week or two. Now think of it. In a in jail in New York City, there were probably a few lieutenants from the Mafia and a few soldiers that probably had killed a few people or broken people's knees, and now he has to go there, and the Mafia boss is going to tell them, no, he is, he's now in jail. Well, he was like visiting hell, really. I mean, we don't, even, we don't read it, but he may never have come out of there. And he did really very little. And so, uh, some little things that don't seem to be very important can turn here on Earth. Never mind in heaven. Right here on Earth can turn into some very serious outcome. And uh, just just to 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 go back to to Ecclesiastes, you know, we think, well, yeah, I have thoughts, and I don't think very highly of or maybe I, I should use a different word, I, I think very critically or sarcastically about someone uh, that probably deserves it, but it's not not really up to me because then I become a judge. And God says that we should not judge. Yeah, we should, we should critically analyze what is what, but we cannot a- attach something to a, a person that we have not really spent time with, right? Somebody just read about it because we don't really know the shoes there are in. We, we, we really have no clue. And so it, it, it's not a big sin, but it, it could lead to something uh, down the road. And so uh, sin has has different levels. And I don't know I, I read something... Uh, this morning, uh, I think it was in a dictionary type of thing. Uh, uh, that well, there's there's seven sins in the Bible, seven the significant sins, and one of them is murder, and and, and some of these things cannot be forgiven. And uh, which you know, it, you you got to really read the whole word in order to 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 get a, an appreciation, and that's why it's so important that we that that we study the word so that with the help of the Spirit, as we move on in our lives, we actually get a better understanding of what sin is and how, what the remedy is. And we'd we'll like to go to the Old Testament, and we'd we'll like to go to uh, Psalm 51, which is the psalm of David, who uh came to his senses after Nathan the prophet came to him and told him, you know, what what, what you did here is you you murdered, you committed adultery and you, you murdered somebody. Uh, and then when when we go back into Leviticus, uh, well, murdering uh somebody uh would have Probably allowed the family of Uriah to go and kill him in return, that was part of uh, part of the rules. Uh, the, maybe the, the adultery should have been stoned if it had happened out in the field. Now it, it happened in, in a palace, but uh, he being the king and having absolute total authority over everybody it, it would have been the same thing. You should have been stoned. Well, neither one of these things happened. Uh, that's what's in, in in chapter 51. And I read just a few verses at a time. I have mercy, uh, no, this verse one. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Those are the first three verses. We see, up to this point, he was totally uh, clueless. Well, it's not the right word. He, he totally... Uh, pushed all of that away. What he what he actually knew. What he, what he did. He could have known that, but he didn't see it. He didn't he didn't uh, realize that's what he did until Nathan came and told him that's what you did. And, and then he, he didn't just have remorse like so many people may have remorse of the way the way they behave or, or the, what what they do. Though so he he was repenting. He looked deep in, into himself and realized that, that he was totally broken. That, that Just as we read in Romans, that not one of us is, is good by himself, herself, and sometimes when we allow things to go on, uh, it can get really bad. Even in, in, in this, on this earth it can turn out really bad as, as that, that um, little mugger uh, experienced in, in jail. And he's talking about three different ways of looking at sin. He, a transgression, blot out my transgression, he asked God. Well, a transgression is is going over the boundary, like like speeding. Uh, well, you know, sometimes uh, we speed um on purpose, not accidentally, but we speed on purpose. That that, that already is not really something we should do. But uh, when when the traffic goes ten miles, twenty miles higher than everybody else, and you're you're actually endangering other people if you're not following the traffic. So I I don't know where to go with that. But uh, then I see people going fifty miles faster than uh, what they should, and and that that may be a, a, a real problem. That could potentially result into all kinds of mayhem, and so it goes right down into the little things and if we think it's it's nothing well it can turn into something, but th- those are transgressions, breaking the rules and, uh, you know i didn't go into the dictionary there for that, but wash me thoroughly from my iniquity well iniquity uh the if if uh i think immoral unfair behavior is is, is the webster uh, definition of it and, and i think it's it's really in in biblical terms iniquity is something that uh yeah is it's immoral and, and maybe more so than just immoral it's it's something against god and then sin Cleanse me from my sin. Well, now that is definitely uh, the definition there. That the the Webster have is not very good. Uh, uh, To me, it's an offense against God, because God it's not those when we transgress against man's rules. Well, you know sometimes you question the rules, but, uh, but you still should not transgress against it because they're rules. Uh, but they're still, they're quite often made and not based on, uh, on uh, God's uh, revelation to us. But a sin is really uh, uh, breaking God's revelation, God's word. Uh, and so he, he recognizes uh, all these aspects of sin in his life, and he repents from it for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. It, it, he, he came to that realization. This is, this is a really big thing. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Against thee, and then he repeats it, thee only have I sinned. And always. In a past, I was read this and I figured, well, no, he sinned against Uriah, the family of Uriah. Uh, he, he sinned against Bathsheba. Uh, I mean, why does he say only against God? Well, because these are things that God very clearly gave us instructions in the Ten Commandments that those things go against him. It's not some, never mind other people. It, it, the stuff that he could actually not correct. He could, he could not re- change things. Those were things that no longer could be, uh, you know, helped. It's, a, it's an offense against God. And so uh, uh, a lot of sins are really against God, more so than uh, just breaking a law or a transgression. And he came to that conclusion and then he goes on and says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know, that, that there we have to be careful in, in reading uh, that verse, in verse 5 there, that when he says, in sin did my mother conceive me, well, what he's saying there, it's just since the very beginning, in, in, in the beginning of Genesis, that's who we are. It's, it's our makeup. We're going we're gonna to go against God. We're going to try to be like what the devil said. You can be like God. You, you, you can be like that. And, and that's, that's really what it means here. That he not only, it's not that he inherited it in terms of it's bad DNA. You no, know, it's just, it, it's, it has something to do with our soul. With who we are, we are not animals. We we, have, we are we are made in His image, and because we are made in His image, we also can make a decision for or against Him. Because that's really that makes love possible. That we actually can make a decision and go against God, and that's the sin that uh, what He's talking about. And in sin that my mother conceived me, or in, in sin, everybody is is made like that that's how we are made because we have that soul that can take a position against God. Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He realized that. So the, the externals, like in this case, murder and, and adultery, was was an external thing that was that constituted the sin. But it, it started in his in his soul. It started in his heart. And maybe it started. We don't know that. We we don't read that. But I don't know what, what happened before that. You know, in in a previous months or upcoming to that to, to that issue there. Uh, what what did he do? We know he had the spirit. We'll get to that later. He ha- he walked in the spirit. He wrote much uh, uh, in the Old Testament. He he was he was a prophet. He he could actually even even in this passage here he is a prophet, and so we know that the spirit what was was guiding him. In not only what he was writing, and also what he was doing, but at one point, at one point, he must have kind of lost it. And and that was not—I don't think it just started there. It probably started with with other things that thought, "Well, it's not that important," and allowed it to go on. When we go to the next verse, "Perch me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me." and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, we we'll just read that, and yeah, it sounds good. But when you look, what is hyssop? Well, that is the, the bush or, or the plant that Moses told the Israelites on, in Exodus to use that to take from the blood from the lamb, from the sacrificial lambs that they had to slaughter, and take the blood and paint it on the, on the doorposts. In order to be saved by the, from the death angel. That's why he's using this word, hyssop. Uh, he, he remembered that, or, or he knew that all along. And he, he is using this word: perch me with hyssop, with the blood of Christ, and I shall become clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Well, that, the sacrifices that they would have. That would have to pay for whatever transgressions could not make him whiter than snow, only the blood of Christ could so he, he is actually prophetic in, in, in this sense because he didn 't fully understand what was to come uh, later on, uh, as we read actually we didn 't read it this morning, but in Micah the, the the last chapter is about the coming of the Messiah and uh, the one that can actually make us clean. And he goes on, make, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide, my, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. He's asking God just, just not only to make, to make him clean for himself so that he can stand before God again but he asked God to to just totally remove all of that from from God's presence that God would not even uh, remember it of course God not only for knows everything he obviously also knows whatever happened but not in a sense of in a personal way hide thy face from my sins you know what Don't don't even consider it because otherwise I I cannot stand before thee anymore. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. He knew the spirit uh, was no longer there. He needed the right spirit in order to move on, in order to even make his life worthwhile living again. And that's really true for, for all of us. Does life make sense if we don't have a vision of a purpose of this life? God has created us for a purpose, and if if we don't have if we don't understand the purpose, well then life doesn't really make sense. And if the purpose is that God created me for something, then it's in His will. And I have to, have to know his will. And we can't do that if we don't have his spirit. And, right, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, where, did, where does he get that from? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He had the Holy Spirit up to a point we don't know where. Where it, it got lost. Because now all of a sudden he, he commits heinous crimes. And he had the Holy Spirit because he he could prophesy about the coming of the Lord in the next next few chapters. And he remembered something else. In going to Samuel, I think it's Samuel 2, I didn't read it, where God took away the spirit from Saul because after Saul was uh, made the king, or even before that, when, when uh, uh, he got anointed by, by Samuel, he received the Holy Spirit and he, he could prophesy like, like the other prophets. And, and so he had the Holy Spirit up to a point where he resisted against God and he did, he did not observe God's orders that were given to him by Samuel. And it says there, I don't know where it is exactly, but it says there, and God removed the Holy Spirit from him. And that's where he's going. That's where David remembered. That's what happened to Saul. And if I don't have it, not only, I'm not even going to be able to be a king because I I won't be able to to deal with uh, this this, uh, task, uh, this uh, task that's given to me as a king. But there would be actually no purpose in moving on in life because there, there is no purpose without God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He wanted to get back to that joy he had, knowing that, you know what, yes, I'm a sinner. I, I'm, I, I can't really do anything right by, all by myself. I need the righteousness of the blood of Christ, I, I need that. That's for us. And, and he realized that, and he didn't even know in detail like we know what Christ did, what God Himself did. Uh, he only had it in some very shadowy way. He could he could foretell. He could write it down. He probably didn't even understand it all in, in the details that we can understand. And so. But he he realizes the the, the joy that he had in in his salvation. Isn't it amazing? Somebody in the Old Testament, I don't know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ comes, he, he can talk about the joy of his salvation. Even though he just realized how a desperate sinner he was. Worse than most people, actually, around him. And then listen, then he goes on and says, then I will teach transgressors the ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Isn't that amazing? I, there he is, realizes how, how bad he is, but then he, he realizes if God forgives him and he has his salvation restored, he can then actually go and teach transgressors the way. And that's, that's true, and we, when we read stories from you know, the prison fellowship uh, and, and stories like that. Well, some people that are in prison who committed some murders and really bad things, they, they actually have a good way to talk to other people that are in prison and, and actually show them the way because they now can witness from a position of joy, from a position of, of knowing what it means to get there and how to, to apply the blood of Christ. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth. Open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. It's a beautiful, and I didn't read it completely to the end of this chapter. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm that tells us that all of us can get to that place where we can glorify God, not because of what we did, uh, but because of what he did for us in spite of our uh, brokenness. May God bless His word.